This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, my name is Steve Sparks. I'm one of the Astros radio broadcasters, and we're thrilled that you're here. I mean, it's always such a, a, a great time of year because of the anticipation of spring training. We understand that there's been things going on right now, but with your support and uh, just kind of trudging through some of the beginnings of this next season, I think things are going to turn out great. This is a very talented team, uh, a very good team, very close-knit team, and uh, they love you guys. So we appreciate you all being here. Alex Bregman's going to be here in just a moment, uh, and we'll chat. There he comes right now. You guys see him. Hi, everybody. There's only one guy that finished higher in the Most Valuable Player Award voting than Alex Bregman, and that was Mike Trout. And a lot of people were saying that right down toward the end that Alex had a good chance. And to do it so young in your career, Alex, and, and be at the really top echelon in your field, it's got to be rewarding, but knowing you, you're not going to quit working, are you? No. First off, thanks, everybody, for coming out. It's good to see everybody again. Um, yeah, it's been a it – was, it was just an unbelievable year. Um, just a, We led the league in wins, 107 wins. Um, like you said, it came down to the wire. Mike Trout's an unbelievable player. Unbelievable player. It's fun to compete against him. He's in our division, so I get to watch greatness at least 18 times a year playing against him. And uh, it was, it, it came down to the wire, but it was fun. It was fun, and uh, look forward to running it back this year and uh, getting after it. Hey, there's a lot of players that don't like to talk about their goals, but it doesn't seem to me like you really shy away from that very much. Uh, you want to win the MVP award, don't you? Definitely. Yeah. You want to win a couple of them, don't you? <laughs> Definitely. You know what? So you talked about the division, and the American League West right now is full of stars. I mean, there's just – you look at Oakland. You look at the Angels. You look at the – there's just so many stars in this division right now, and the other teams have gotten better. But you look at the second-place team last year. They won 97 games, which is phenomenal, but they finished 10 games behind you guys. So as those other teams get a little bit better, do you guys still feel like you're the class of the division? Yeah, I feel like um, I feel like we return pretty much everybody. We lost a few guys that are some of our great friends. I mean, Jake Marisnik and Will Harris were two of my best friends in the whole world forever, and it's sad to see them go. Uh, Garrett too. I mean, unbelievable pitcher. Um, but I think we return, we return pretty much the same team. Yeah. And um, we got some young guys that are coming up. You all saw Jordan last year. He's unbelievable. And then we got Kyle Tucker, who's going to have a full season this year. Um, it's exciting. And we got some young pitching on the way as well. But um, like you said, our division's unbelievable. We have uh, Anthony Rendon just uh, joined a division in Anaheim. He's a Houston guy. 
Um, just unbelievable third baseman. Matt Chapman in Oakland, unbelievable third baseman. Um, the Oakland A's, like you said, 97 wins. They're a great team. Um, the Rangers added Corey Kluber, who's one of the best pitchers in the game. Cy Young guy. Um, so it's tough. Our division's going to be extremely tough this year. Um, but we're all looking forward to the challenge. A lot of these people that are even sitting here right now make that trip up I-45 to go to Arlington, and they're going to open up a, a new stadium this year. Are you looking forward to playing in a new stadium in Arlington? I am. I am. It's cool. Uh, I loved playing at the old Ranger Stadium. I loved playing there. It was a lot of fun, and we always had a ton of Astros fans there, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, but I think the new stadium is going to be first class. Uh, hopefully the ball flies and we can hit some homers, <laughs> and uh, hopefully it'll be fun. You mentioned that Jake Marisnik's no longer on the team and Will Harris were, were no longer on the team. And even for myself, being around the team, but on the periphery, it looked to me like you and Jake and you and Will were really tight friends. And as a former player, maybe too sensitive myself, but when one of my best friends was no longer on the team, it hit me pretty hard. How hard is that going to be for you personally not to be able to interact with Jake and Will on a daily basis now? Oh, it's going to be sad. That's one of the uh, toughest parts about baseball, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, it's, you never have the same team. It's a different team every year. And Jake and I just got back. After the season ended, Jake and I went on vacation together. And we were talking about how excited we were. Um, probably our last year playing together was going to be this year. And then next thing you know, I called him one morning, and we're both almost crying that he's leaving. So, um, but he's going to do great things, and so is Will. I'm so happy for Will. Um, I mean, we're talking about a guy who is, I think, 36 or 37 years old, um, and he had the best year of his career last year. Uh, made a perfect pitch in a perfect spot, and Howie Kendrick hits a homer off the right field foul pole. Just a, a, a good hitter, put a good swing on a good pitch, and um, you tip your hat to him. But um, Will's excited. Uh, he said he's, it says, he said it's going to stink a little bit uh, when we play him in spring training. That's the thing, being eight outs away, I mean, it was almost like we were all shocked. I remember coming back from D.C. Um, I, I know you guys weren't thinking we've got this one, but you feel really good about yourself having two chances uh, to win one game and, and knock down the championship again. After that last game, and nobody wanted a game at home. Were you guys just in shock like we were? I was in shock. I think um, everyone in our clubhouse was like, we are going to win this World Series. The ball bounces a certain way sometimes. And, you know, I take my hat off to them. They, they played an unbelievable series. Um, you saw one of the best up-and-coming players in the game uh, in Juan Soto. He had an unbelievable series. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Anthony Rendon, a Houston guy, had an unbelievable series as well. So, I mean, it, it's sad for all of us. We all wanted to win, um, but that's why you play the game. When you get knocked down, you get back up, um, and that's the best part about this game. It's the game of life. I know during the season, a lot of times communication is done away from the field in a group text. And I was just wondering, like in the off seasons, if you guys keep up that group text and communicate and talk about in light of what's kind of going on right now, what's kind of the mindset of the team going into spring training? Have you guys spoken? Uh, I think all the guys always speak. Um, we're, we're a tight-knit team, and we're going we're gonna to take our lumps as a team. We're right. going gonna, gonna, to um, 
we're going to go to spring training, work our tail off, and um, go win for our fans. When you get to spring training, that's right. That's the thing that we've always talked about, Alex, is the way that this team is integrated with the community and the way it seems like there's been a love affair both ways is, is you guys have always appreciated them and they've appreciated you and you guys have gotten out in the community. Last night with the gala, they, they raised $2.6 million for the community to get out there and change people's lives. And when it comes down to it, and you knew this as a kid, and, and your dad's over here, and he took you to ball games. It's about having relationships, sitting in the stands, having conversations, and creating memories, isn't it? For sure. And um, Houston's home to me now, and I uh, and I know that's the same for everyone on our team. We we love this city. Um, we try and get out in the community as much as possible and help people. And uh, I think that's one of the things that Jim Crane has done an amazing job uh, with the Astros. Is he has just got us out in the community helping people. Uh, the Astros Foundation has just done an incredible job changing lives and um, very thankful to be a part of an organization that is able to do that. I want to ask you, what would be your best compliment to another player? If you could describe another player, I mean, in your eyes, what's the best compliment you could give a player? Um, a baseball player. I think always just like, I think guys that just What does love, that mean? I think it's you, you love playing a game, you love your teammates, you're a good teammate, and um, you go out, you're the same, you go out there and you're the same guy every single day. Um, compete for your fans, compete for your city, compete for one another, and leave it all out there on the line. Okay, so your teammate, who's probably going to be in the Hall of Fame, Justin Verley, he is going to be in the Hall of Fame, described you just like that. And I've heard, him, I've heard him in press conferences in the playoffs before the games, and when they ask questions about you, he said he's just a baseball player. That's exactly the way uh, he describes you. And I've also heard you described as a baseball rat. And if you guys don't know what a baseball rat is, a rat in any sport, and it usually probably comes from basketball, somebody's a gym rat. You can't get them out of the gym because they always want to shoot, they always want to work on whatever moves or whatever. But you're a rat, man. And, and all your teammates say he takes it to another level. And all these guys love baseball, but he loves baseball. I mean, you're committed to it, aren't you? Yeah, I love the game. I love uh, competing. Um, I love working at it. This is one of my favorite times, actually, during the offseason where you just get to get in the lab and train, work on your swing, work on your mechanics, work on your body, work on your health, um, make sure that you're able to, to sustain a full uh, 162 games. Uh, it's a blast for me. I love it. I love. I, lo I just. I like the. Uh, I, might, I might like the work that we put in more than the, uh, than the games. I don't know. I just love it. And that's the key. So, whenever I talk to maybe parents of kids thinking about their kids, I think that almost what separates a lot of guys to get to the level that you have, or even a professional or even collegiate level, is recognize if your son or your daughter love to practice. If they love to practice, then you got something there. Well, my, my parents never forced me to do anything as a kid. They never said, you need to go practice, you need to get in the gym, you need to, you need to do this. They, they said, hey, if you want to be successful, you need to work extremely hard. Yeah. And um, they never forced me to do it. I always told them, hey, will you, drive me to the, will you drive me to practice? Will you drive me to the gym? Will you do all that? And they were like, yes, whatever you need. And I'm super thankful for that. 
um, but they never force me to do anything. And I think that's important as parents to just, if you, if you, if you, if, if your kid wants to do it, they're going to do it and right. be successful. Do you remember anybody in your life, whether it was a teacher, a coach, or a kid that was maybe two years older, that kind of sparked that fire in you? Um, I think around age 15, Coach Birmingham at the University of New Mexico said, if you want to be successful, you have to decide. You have to be obsessed with the game. And um, from that moment on, I was waking up at like 6 a.m., going to the gym, um, working out, uh, going to class. After class, my mom would make me study and uh, get some good grades and then uh, go, to the, go to the batting cages till about 10 at night. And um, I've kept the people that have helped me um, since that point in my life still. Yeah. My hitting coach since I was 15 years old uh, is still my hitting coach today. And um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. One of my favorite stories ever about Alex is before he got to the major leagues, he made sure he learned Spanish. Uh, and I'll let you elaborate on the story, but it, not only do I think it's, it's brilliant, but it, it's just such a great way to integrate yourself into a clubhouse. But tell me what your thinking was uh, about learning Spanish before you got into a major league clubhouse. Nice throw, nice throw. <laughs> oh. Um. For me, I learned Spanish when I was like 15 years old. I was playing on Team USA and we were traveling to Mexico or Colombia playing in the uh, Junior Olympics. And um, it was important for me to be able to communicate with the other, the, the other teams for the other countries. I just wanted to know what their life was like, what baseball was like in Cuba, what it was like in Venezuela. So I learned a little bit in school. Uh, my mom made me take Spanish class. And at first I was like, I don't know, it's gonna be tough. But, uh, but I ended up loving it, and um, it ended up really helping in baseball. Once I got into the minor leagues, I wanted to be friends with everybody on my team. I wanted to be a leader, and I feel like a, a leader needs to be able to communicate with everybody. Um, so that way I was able to communicate with the entire team, right. speaking Spanish. So, um, and once I got to the big leagues, we had different players from different countries, and I wanted to be able to ask them, hey, can you help me with my defense? Hey, can you help me with my base running? But I didn't want to do it in English. I want to do it in Spanish so that made them feel comfortable. And um, I think it was one of the best, uh, one of the best things ever. It is. Uh, one of your best friends on the team, and you talked about Marisnik and Will Harris. They're gone now, but one guy that's still here is Yuli, Yuli Gurriel. And to listen to Alex Pina. and Yuli. I like the Pina power. Yeah, we got the Pina. Um, just to listen to you guys is pretty funny. You know, you guys rag on each other. You talk about how old he is, and uh, it's always in Spanish. And Yuli will throw out a little bit of English every once in a while. But tell me about your relationship with Yuli Gurriel. Well, Yuli tricks everybody. Yuli's fluent in English. <laughs> he's like one of the smartest guys I've ever met, and he's just as shy. So he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to tell everybody that he speaks English, but he does. And he normally only speaks English to me when he's, ex when he's mad at me for splashing the, the cold tub water on him or something like that. But Yuli's, Yuli's hilarious. He's been awesome. He's helped me out so much. Um, just he's very intelligent baseball-wise, isn't he? Super intelligent. His whole family was in the game. I think if Yuli was here when he was 21 years old, um, people across the country would recognize him as one of the best players uh, in baseball. Um, he, he had an unbelievable career in Cuba, um, played in Japan, 
um, and then came over here and it's just been great. Yeah. Um, just great teammate. Um, such a nice guy. Nice dad. He has two. He has two kids that are practicing baseball that are going to be the next Guriels in the big leagues. They're already unbelievable. They're two years old. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He's got a better swing than I do. So. Where are you right now as far as tweaking your swing? Because I know you're always trying to get better. You're always trying to look for ways to be more efficient, more powerful. You had 41 homers last year. One of the stats that I think belies your skill set is, is so many more walks than strikeouts, which uh, hardly anybody does anymore. In what ways do you want to get better right now? I think I want to get better in every aspect of the game, base running, defense, hitting. Um, this is the best I've felt offensively. This, this is the best I've felt offensively, um, like with my swing in the offseason. Last year I had elbow surgery, and I actually started swinging the bat for the first time in spring training. Yeah. So this year, as soon as we got back from that little vacation, probably one week after the World Series, I, I started hitting again. And... Um, I feel amazing. My body feels great. I feel like I'm in great shape. Uh, I've normally came into camp about weighing 215 pounds. This year I'm coming into camp about 195. Really? <clears throat> so I made that change because every year I've gotten off to a slow start. Like the first two months of the season I've been, I've been terrible. So after, uh, after just looking back, I always lose weight during the season. I don't know if it's just the, the wear and tear of a baseball season, but I always just lose weight. So I'm starting, I'm starting the year this year at 195 where I feel the most comfortable and um, finally got a full off season, healthy, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So I think last year was my best year statistically, but mechanically I think it was one of my worst years in be able to, being able to repeat my swing. Um, me personally, it drives me crazy when I go one for four with a homer or one for four with a double. I want to get three hits a game. So I felt like I was very inconsistent at the beginning of the year and hopefully um, have a full year of what I did in the second half last year. So you're coming in about 20 pounds lighter during the season and you've lost weight in years past. Where are you going to be if you're at 185 or 180 pounds by September? You're going to have enough stamina to get through it. Oh yeah, but I'm going to I'm going to be strict to uh, diet and I'm going to force myself to eat some good yeah. food. That's the hard thing, though. Is a lot of times you're not hungry, you know, after a game because of the adrenaline and stress, and it takes a while. 100%. You're up till 2 a.m., 2:30 after games, thinking about. Yeah. Um, you're at bats. You're thinking about. Dang, I went 0 for 4 tonight. All right, I got to get back up tomorrow and do it again. Carried my bat to first base like a moron. I got to worry about that. <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, so there's, there's always emotion swings during the season um, that you go through. So uh, you're going you're gonna to lose weight. You're going to gain weight over the course of a season. But I think one thing that I'm implementing this year during the season is I've never worked out during the season. I've really? always just done prep work before a game, maybe like a 10-minute workout each day. This year I'm going to work out once a homestand, and that's uh, or once every series, excuse me. And that's one thing that I asked Mike Trout actually about is how often do you work out during the season? And he said I work out once every series. So I'm going to try and incorporate that, and hopefully that will help me keep my weight on. When does a guy like Trout get those workouts in? Is it beforehand, like four or five hours before a game, or is it after games? Yeah, so most of us show up about – one o'clock 12 to 12 to one o'clock for a seven o'clock game so probably about 
six hours before the game. You'll okay. get to the field, you'll work out, you'll get a shower, and then you'll get ready to go hit in a cage, go out, take your ground balls, um, and, and do your pregame work. This team, you, you lose Garrett Cole this year, but there's a lot of good young talent. And we saw Abreu when he came up. We've seen flashes with Josh James when he's on top of his game, guys who could possibly step into the rotation. Is there anybody pitching-wise that you see as uh, somebody who can come in and maybe surprise some people? Well, I mean, our number one prospect in the minor league, Forrest Whitley, uh, I, I'm excited to see what, he, what he's got this year. I think he can make a huge difference for us. But, you know, I think everybody caught a glimpse of how good Jose or Kitty is during the World Series. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to see him for a full season. I think he's going to have a great year for us. Um, I think Josh James may be in the, in the starting rotation this year. You never know. Um, I'm excited. It's going to be a fun year. Garrett's an unbelievable pitcher, um, and he's an unbelievable competitor, and so is everybody in our clubhouse. So we're excited to compete against him whenever we face him. I want to talk about Urquidy. Because the game that he pitched in the World Series in D.C., where were you guys, where was your mindset, him coming into the game? Because I think you guys are pretty confident. We were. We, we, we knew how special he was. Because Nobody else was, though, right? Everybody on the outside, everybody's just saying, Urquidy's pitching for the Astros. Rookie, yeah. Rookie in the World Series. How do you trust him in this moment? But you guys did. <laughs> so, all right, funny story before I go over this. So, Miles Straw is the best at him impersonations out of everybody like his everyone's mannerisms like he can do them to the t like he he makes fun of all of our pitchers he goes through their his he goes through davinsky's full wind up and and it's spot on so when when straw was doing her kitty before he even got to the big leagues i was like okay this kid's good he's gonna be good miles has talked him up forever he said he's i think he had like 11 or 12 strikeouts per per nine innings in the minor leagues he was he was crazy statistics down there and he got up and we saw his change up and we were like wow that's really good and we saw his fastball how it played um and he pitched really well for us during the season He's so, so we, had all the we had we had all the confidence in him in the world series and he came out and was just a stud he handled the pressure like nothing and um it was really impressive you know what? I'm, it's weird seeing the grass this long. It's weird on the field. <laughs> Normally, we got a perfectly manicured field out here. I, I want to ask you about Lance McCullers. You guys have to be excited about Lance coming back. I mean, he'll post some things every once in a while. He looks so strong, uh, looks so ready. He's fresh. Uh, you guys have to be excited about getting his arm back. Oh, I mean, he's unbelievable. He, he's been so good for us. Um, he's going to have a great year. He just had a baby, so congratulations to him on that. Um, and hopefully, uh, hopefully he just, hopefully he's just himself and goes out there, competes, and gets after it for us. And he's he's going to be great. And you guys are the team to beat again. I mean, everybody's like when you're talking about your offense. I don't know if there's a better offense in baseball. Still, you guys seem to be on top of the heap and everybody in this division especially is going to have to be gunning for you yeah we return our whole offense it's exciting um we're gonna we're gonna get after it in spring training 
and then and then look to look to repeat our offense of last year. I think our offense was unbelievable last year. We we met up with some really tough pitching in the World Series, and I, we we take our hats off to them. I mean, Scherzer and Strasburg were unbelievable. Were. Um, Patrick Corbin, unbelievable. So um, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun year. Where do you stand on analytics? And I would imagine it's some of the guys on the team love it and want to absorb as much as they can. And some guys just say, you know what, just give me a little bit and I'll chew on that and see if it can help me. But where are you? Do you like to get way into it? Yeah, I, th- I, think, uh, I think they have some, some good ideas. I think there's also some, some baseball that you just need to play. Yeah. You know, I think, I think um, this game is, is humans are playing this game. Yeah, it can't be robotic, it right? Can't, it cannot be robotic. And I think you, you, take, you take some information, um, whether it's how good a guy's fastball is or how much his slider breaks, and you can, you can use that. Um, but at the end of the day, humans are playing the game, and, and you got to go out there and compete. And when, when, when it's time to go in the box, it's time to compete. When you were a little kid, were you the best player on your teams? Uh, I don't know. Usually top two or three? Yeah, I guess. Was Al- Sam, was Alex the best player on his teams growing up when he was 10 years old? No. <laughs> no, I wasn't. Well, you thought you were. Yeah, but I wasn't. Uh, tell everybody the story about you being a bat boy for a college team and who you saw in the other dugout one time. Yeah, so when I was probably 10 years old, I was ba- the bat boy for the New Mexico Lobos where my brother plays college baseball now. And... Um, I didn't do it all the time. I just did it whenever um, I could. And one of the games they were playing against Arizona State, I think I want to say they were ranked probably top five in the country. And they were beating the Lobos probably 18 to one. And Dustin Pedroia hit a ground ball to shortstop. He was playing for Arizona State. Yeah, he was playing for Arizona State. He hit a ground ball to shortstop and they were up by probably 15 runs and ran as hard as he could down the first base. The throw was high. First baseman jumped. He dove head first into first base, and they were up 15. He didn't have to do that. But I just liked how he played the game, and um, I kind of wanted to, to mirror my game after him. Did you ever tell him that story? Oh, did yeah. you get a chance to? You did? Yeah, I told him. So, I mean, a lot of people compare you to Pedroia, especially when you first came up. I mean, that's a great compliment. Uh, how has he been in interactions that you've had with him? He's been great. He's been great. Uh, it's been great just to talk to him um, whenever he gets on second base. Uh, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's truly just amazing. Thinking back, you're making me think back to that. Um, when you're growing up and you're watching those guys play in the big leagues, my first game I saw, I was playing against A-Rod and um, McCann, guys I watched growing up and being able to be on the same field as them was, was a shock, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to ask you some of the, the generic questions that people ask, but a lot of times they're pretty cool. What is your favorite place to play an away game? Um, it was Arlington. Really? Uh, yeah. As a pitcher, I mean, literally, as a former pitcher, that was my least favorite place in all of baseball. I, I think just like it. Because of the heat. It was, I like I like that though. I grew up playing games in uh, uh, I grew up playing games in Arizona where it's 110 degrees out, and yeah. I mean I love the heat. I think it's baseball weather. And it's a good hitting ballpark. Great place to hit. Yeah, great place to hit. Um, 
Does it look like in the pictures that you've seen that the, their new ballpark resembles this one a little bit? A little bit, yeah. Um, the one video I saw was Joey Gallo hitting homers when they were still doing construction. I thought it was really cool, yeah. I thought it was really cool. Um, what do you love about Minute Maid Park? Everything. Um, the fans. Yeah. When do you feel it? It's loud in here. It gets so loud. Um, so during batting practice, you guys have some fans here, but when you come out to start stretching, running down the right field line, is that when you can start feeling the energy of the fans here? Yes. I think during the playoffs, um, the minute we take the field, it doesn't stop. Like, it's just... Yeah. It's, I feel like we're in the student section of a, of a college basketball game during a professional baseball game, which is unique because, I mean, no other place is like that. This it, place gets loud. And when you hear all those roars, do you feel it in your chest? Uh, because you can't hear your teammates. You know, you can't really communicate unless you're screaming three feet away from them, right? I think the most nerve-wracking part is when you're on defense, you're like, please don't let a ball go through my legs. There's... <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever have dreams uh, of making some type of mistake or not waking up in time, missing a flight or anything like that? Um, no, I think that the scariest thing is when you're on the road and it's a uh, day game getaway. And it's like, okay, you're a grown up now, Alex. You need to be able to set an alarm and wake up. And not, and not miss the game, all right? That's you hearing your dad's voice, right? Yeah, so uh, I'm the guy every, every Sunday, Mariznick, and I gotta find a new guy now, but Mariznick would get a text at like 2, p, 2 a.m. when we get back from the Saturday game, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to sleep, make sure I'm on the bus tomorrow. <laughs> He's like, are you kidding me? Grow up. So you gotta find Set a new an alarm, guy, right? I'm like, Jake, I forgot my charger. He's like, another reason you need to grow up, your phone's gonna die and you're gonna miss your alarm. So you guys typically show up to spring training middle of February. When are you showing up this year? Yeah, um, be beginning of February. Yeah. I think a lot of guys will start to sprinkle down there at the beginning of February, um, start working out down in Florida. Some people are in cold weather uh, during the offseason and they want to get down to the, to the heat so they can throw. Just your body feels better. Right. You love the new spring training facility? It's unbelievable. Have most of y'all been out there? It's just incredible. It's first class. Um, Kissimmee was uh, was all right. The people there were great. They were it's unbelievable. It's just that the, the facility had just yeah. kind of taken its toll. Honestly, it was it was it felt like a t tight knit Astros community in Kissimmee, which was unbelievable. Yeah. But um, our new facility in West Palm is just it just has all the amenities. It's the best. It's just it's first class and. Everybody gets their work in, and it's, it's, it's beautiful. This season, you guys will be the favorites. Uh, might be another long season again. And I remember asking Andy Pettit 20 years ago, you guys are in the playoffs every year. You're playing until November 1st. When does, when does your body have a chance to recuperate? Well, I feel like if you, I feel like if you keep playing in the postseason, your body doesn't really – that's need the to norm. recuperate, yeah. So you're just in constant baseball mode throughout the year. So how much time do you take off not doing anything? I took off a week. Me and Jake went to one week. Yeah. And you started lifting our as soon as that was started doing some mobility work. Started like kind of yoga stuff. Not really yoga, but kind of yoga to kind of get my body feeling yep. better. And then uh, started 
started training, started hitting. This is the earliest I've ever started hitting too, because I just I want to have a good year. You want to have a good year. You I want to. I want MVP last I know, year. I left a bitter taste in my mouth. You know, I, this is kind of full disclosure. This was with two months left of the season. This was actually the day that you guys made the trade for Grinky. And I saw you at our hotel in Cleveland. Uh, and I think you were getting ready to go to the ballpark, and I was just coming back from lunch. And I said, are you ready to I, I said something like, are you ready to get after it these last two months? And you kind of ducked your head like you were disappointed in the way your season had gone so far. And I didn't mean it like that, but you felt like you'd been disappointing the first four months of the season. And, of course, you turned it on the last two months. But at that point, is it fair to say that you felt like you should have done better? Yeah, I always do. I, I always think there's always room to improve, and um, I'm going to be the hardest critic on myself. Yeah. All right. I mean, we talk about a, a lot of guys on this team being the heart and soul, but when you're talking about somebody setting the bar, it's Alex Bregman. I mean, he's the most talented guy on the team. I don't know about that. that that's not that true. I want to thank Alex. Thank you, guys. Uh, we're going to have a lot thank more stuff guys. out here today. Thank you. It was good to see everybody.